Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Well, good morning to everyone here again. Good morning to those who are watching online. Um, A reminder for those who are here and those who are watching Immediately after our time here, we're going to put together the gift baskets for Foothill Family Shelter. So you're welcome to stay and participate in that. I think we got 11 baskets, 11 baskets that we're going to put together, and then uh, they'll take them later this week to Foothill Family Shelter. So if you want to come down for that, as soon as we're done, we're going to kind of move into that. So uh, just a reminder, too, if you guys want to stick around for that, hope you can. It shouldn't take us too long. It's pretty simple. But let's pause and let's pray as we get started this morning. Father, once again, we want to make room in our lives to acknowledge you and allow the reality of who you are to influence us and the lives that we are living. We pray that you would give us understanding, that you would inspire us, that you would provoke us to love and to doing good. And I pray, Lord, that as we are here together, that there is an opportunity for us to grow, not only from what we learn, but from the friendships and the interactions that take place amongst one another. Lord, we welcome this time and your working in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, good morning, and again, a reminder, we're going to be putting the baskets together immediately after our gathering together, the Thanksgiving baskets. I don't know about you guys, but the holiday seasons are always kind of a mixed bag for me. There's always just like a lot of anxiety of things that are happening, and you got to get them done by a certain time, and I never do. Maybe that's why I have anxiety, because I should... It's like Brianna, when she was coming, she goes, oh, yeah, I got all my shopping done. I'm like, what? Like shopping? I forgot about that. I usually remember that and tell my wife, hey, we need to get something. Um, But with that, there's also the nostalgia. There is a lot of good memories. There is a lot of hope for time together with people we love. And I hope that we can allow that to be more than the pressure of the season. Um, You know, when you are in October and you're seeing Christmas trees up, it's always a little like, oh, you're pushing already, you know, like back off, give me some time to eat my candy. Um, But let's not allow the season to 
lose its meaning. Let's bring meaning into the season. And I hope we can do that even this Friday. Remember, we're having a potluck at Karina, my house. You guys are all invited, and we are going to just have a time of gratitude and thanks. Um, We are having signups on our website, thegenesisstory.com. You can go there and fill out what you're going to put on uh, the list for us to bring. I'm going to smoke a turkey. That's the plan. And um, hopefully we can sit down and have a great time like we did last time. It was a lot of fun. And hopefully you guys can make it. We've made it on Friday this time so that if you want to bring the kids, they go to school, that's fine. If you got to go to work, on Monday, I know it's harder, so hopefully not having to go to work on Saturday makes it easier. We can hang out a little longer and enjoy that time together. And so again, that's this Friday at 6 o'clock at our house. If you need the address, see me, and I can get it to you. Or you can go online, and if you put your uh, information there, Randy will send it to you so you have it there as well. Um, also, remember, we're here because of your giving, and you can go to thegenesisstory.com and find the different ways to give. And again, appreciate all of you who are supporting what we are doing and keeping the lights on. Thank you. Today, we are continuing in the book of Exodus. This is our seventh installment, we'll call it that. Um, And and we're going to be talking about one of the more well-known stories in the book of Exodus. You know, the... Israelites are finally being freed from the bondage. Last week, we talked about the Passover and and some of what that entails. And and finally, we're coming to the end where they get to leave Egypt, but they leave Egypt and they hit a dead end at the Red Sea. It's miraculously divided so they can escape. Pharaoh and his armies pursue them and then are wiped out in the truest beach boy sense of the word. Um, And they get their just punishment for enslaving God's son, which is Israel, uh, for what he did by enslaving them and also killing the firstborn of their children in the Nile. And just in way of review, remember there is a a battle that's going on, at least in the writer's presentation and what he's trying to help us understand. And we see that in chapter 12, verse 12. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. Right? This is what's happening. I am the Lord. And the word Lord, there is the word Yahweh. And so there is a battle of the gods that is taking place, the gods of Egypt that were kind of singly pointed out through the different plagues and Yahweh, who's now, you know, coming on top in this cage match kind of of the gods here. Continuing in this story in verse 31, during the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, up, leave my people, you and the Israelites, go worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds as you have said and go and also bless me. And that is interesting at the end because the idea of a blessing, even as we saw in Genesis, Melchizedek was blessed by Abraham because the lesser is blessing the greater. And the idea here now is Pharaoh is saying, I need your blessing because your God is greater than what we have here. So bless us. And so we have in this story, again, this uh, 
competition, if you will, of the gods and who is greater and who should we serve. And the Israelites in this story are saying the Lord is the only one we're to serve. And so there's some more interesting things that take place as we move to chapter 13, verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was a shorter route. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road towards the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. Now, I brought these scriptures because, again, we have to kind of look at the story and dissect it a little bit. And there's some strange things, I think, in these passages. First of all, Yahweh just devastated Egypt. But now he's worried about the Philistines? It's like, wouldn't this just be, get the momentum going, right? It's kind of like the Dodgers were doing great until they had that time of layoff. And then everything shut down, right? It's like, God, you're on a roll. Look at all the plagues we're going on. Why not let's just roll through the Philistines as well and, and move in that direction? But that doesn't happen, right? And for some reason, they're concerned about the Philistines. Also strange that they were ready for battle. Where did they get the weapons? They were slaves in Egypt. They're kicked out and now they're ready for battle. What are they ready for battle with? Just some questions that come up as we're reading these things. Another interesting note is the phrase Philistine country. The reason it's interesting is because the Philistines were Greeks who weren't present in the region, let alone a threat until after 1200 BCE, which again tells us when this was written or one of the other clues because it is much later in time. And we've been seeing these hints happen throughout the books. We've seen them through the book of Genesis. You know, this is before the Israelites have kings. Well, that's telling us that it was written when they knew Israel would have kings. And these things keep showing up to remind us that it is being written much later than the period of when it's taking place, which means it wasn't written by Moses, which means, again, we have to look at it from a position of people who were looking backwards and retelling a story. And we've seen why that's important because now we are able to have a little bit more of a a grasp on what is trying to be communicated, why they are talking about things like Passover before there is a Passover, why are they talking about these ceremonial laws before they're even given, because they're being written from that future sense looking back. And finally, we get to a place where it says the Red Sea. And we don't really know which body of water the Israelites cross here. The name Red Sea in Hebrew is Yom Suf, which means Sea of Reeds. The reason it got called the Red Sea is because a couple centuries before Jesus, uh, Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures translated reeds as red, and it became common, which blows my mind. Someone could have a mistranslation and it become normal, and it's just accepted. And that's why in most of the translations where it says Red Sea, it will have a little 
note at the bottom and it says, or sea of reeds, because that's the literal translation. And we don't know where that is. Everyone's tried to guess. And so you've probably seen on Instagram or wherever stories about this is where they crossed and here's where they found chariot wheels. Those are all bogus. I'm sorry. They just are. You can go and research them. They're not true. They're trying to put meaning into something and that's not what we want to do. We want to look at what's here and try and digest what's being written for the sake of what it is. And so we don't know what body of water it was. And some people say, well, it was just a little marshland. That wasn't the point. The point of the story was God did something miraculous and it's not something that we have to find out where, when, how it happened. Again, remember that phrase that I like to use. This is mythicized history, where there's a a kernel of reality and history in there, but then there is a lot of things that are mythicized to try and give it meaning and try and give us just this understanding of what they are seeing and trying to convey, which is Yahweh is amazing. These other gods are not. And so all these things are happening at this time. And so finally, they depart. They leave Egypt. Pharaoh is saying, go, get out of here. We've had enough of you. And as they're leaving, we see that in verse 8 of chapter 14 now, I know I'm moving pretty quick, says, the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. Why did he do that? They were good to go. Now why does God harden the heart of Pharaoh so that he wants to go back after them? And and once again, we have to remember this is an ancient, diverse, and ambiguous book that we have to try and understand from the time it was written. And what's happening here is once again, we are seeing that Yahweh is over even Pharaoh and is going to use Pharaoh in a way that helps exalt him, Yahweh. Which to me seems like God's got an issue with wanting to be known or something like that. Like, well, weren't you good? Didn't you have to do this? But again, we have to remember when it's written, why it's written, and to who it's written, because this is that story that's being told. Now, next week, we're going to talk a little bit about the violence that takes place, not just here in the killing of the Egyptian armies, but in the poetry that's used to talk about these things and how there's an evolution in this throughout the scriptures. And we'll get into that next week. But once again, we see that there is this moving of the story forward to present Yahweh as being in charge, and unstoppable. And so Pharaoh is now going to be used in this way. In chapter 14, verse 9, the Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Phi Hiroth, opposite Baal Zephron. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out to Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. 
the people start complaining. And it's a common thread throughout the book and something that Moses was worried about in the beginning. You brought us out here to die. Look what you've done, Moses. And so they're, they're grumbling, they're complaining. And verse 13, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Now, the way this reads for us, the Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Sounds like a Hallmark card, right? Just be still and know that the Lord is God. But that's not what's being said here. What Moses is saying there is shut up. Stop it. He is rebuking them for not trusting God. And he's getting ticked at them for their lack of faith and complaining towards him. So when he says be still, it's basically to stop talking. Quit your talking. Quit your complaining. God said he was going to do it. He's going to do it. And we see this because in verse 15 Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? It's not like they're crying out to you and you're crying out to me. Everyone's complaining. Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the waters so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. And then we see the parting of the sea. Verse 21, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and the cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptian says, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and at daybreak, the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it and the Lord swept them in the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. None of them survived. Again, this is just a big story. We've heard it. There's movies made about it, whether it's Charlton Heston, whether it's the Prince of Egypt. There are so many stories about what is happening here. There is something going on here that is marking this event in this nation. But there's more than just that. There is happening here a retelling of the creation story that takes place in Genesis. Remember, in verse 20, it says, the sea back with a strong east wind. The Lord held it back and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided. The word in Hebrew for wind is the word ruach. It's the same word for breath and for spirit. The same ruach that divided the sea of reeds hovered over the face of the waters in Genesis chapter one, verse two. 
A few verses later, on day two of creation, God divided, split the deep into two, separating the waters above from the waters below. And on the third day of creation, separated the waters below to reveal dry ground beneath, setting the stage to fill this new ordered creation with life. There is God once again brooding over, hovering over, the spirit working over the waters producing land, producing life. This crossing of the Sea of Reeds is a mini replay of creation. It's where this nation is being born again. In Genesis, the earth was formed out or came out from the water. In Exodus, the hostile waters are split, allowing the dry land to appear and and giving life to the Israelites. And then like the flood... With Noah, the waters come crashing back down against the unrighteous, and they do it again here with the Egyptians. And so we see that both stories, the water is tamed to yield life and released to bring death. And this is a constant theme throughout the scriptures. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 5, it says that by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. And so throughout the scripture, water brings either life or death depending on what side you're on. God's producing life. The unrighteous are there. The water brings the death. The Israelites need a way to escape, to start anew. God parts the water and brings life. The Egyptians follow the waters close in, it brings death. God, the creator, is now the same manner, saving God's people from the enemy. Salvation is happening here, and it's like creation is happening again, but on a smaller scale, not on a cosmic stage, but in this nation's stage. And this carries into the New Testament. When Jesus says that we must be born of Water and of the spirit. We must be born again. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 or 17, it says, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. There is a retelling of a story. There is a rebirth that is taking place. There is a recreating of what is happening here in the story of Exodus, even as we saw in Genesis, and it carries on into the New Testament. Paul ties baptism, the initiation rite to becoming a follower of Christ, to Israel passing through the sea in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It's like this, you go into the water and you come out of the water into the newness of life that is presented in the image. In both places, God is saving. In both places, water is the central role. And starting over, new beginning through water, creation, flood, exodus, and and the gospels, they all speak to this. And, and this idea of new creation is something I, I want to camp in for a little bit because this is such an important part of the New Testament experience. And I think it's such an important part of life experience where something happens and it feels like you're given a second chance. 
circumstances change and you are inspired, revived, given this zest to, to step into something that maybe before you felt defeated in, you, you wouldn't move into those things. And that's why I think this mythicized history is so important because there's so much more to this story than just uh, what happened. There is the meaning and what it's connected to, to the people and to us still. The idea of something new happening, of, of the opportunity for a new life, for there to be a new creation, for me to get a new start. And one of the important things as, you know, a person maybe who is like part of AA or an addiction group, there is this idea of celebrating that time when you made the change and they have a day that they remember when they became sober or whatever it was, because that's when their life kind of begins again. And I think we have these pictures of salvation, a renewal of life, life's story being retold over and over again. Did you know that our bodies replace, renew, recreate everything except for our neurons and our cerebral cortex every seven to 10 years? I'm not the man I used to be. We are constantly changing. It is a part of creation itself, this renewal of all things. And so in Ephesians chapter one, verse nine, it says that he, God, made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. To bring into unity means to sum up, to to bring together, to, to bring to a head all things. God is bringing all things together. There is something that is happening with everything that is happening. Years ago, Corrine and I would go on vacation with some friends of ours, and my friend had a connection to a guy who was a client of his to a house in Big Bear. And it was on the lake, but this wasn't a house. It was called the Chateau something. This was three levels, had an indoor, of course, fireplace and barbecue. It had a third level with a pool table, three master bedrooms with master beds. It was just amazing. And we would go there and it was like a, an oasis. It was a retreat. We went there when our twins were very small and we had a great time. I think we stayed there two years. And then one year we couldn't stay at the chateau. So we thought we'd rent another place. And this place was not a chateau. This place was like a narrow A-frame house. The table was attached to a wall, the dinner table, and you would pull it up and could only seat three people. We had our twins... Our friend had their son. Our twins were, I think, under two because Corrine was pregnant with Daniel and our friends, Henry and Gloria, were pregnant with their second son, James. And one day we went to Lake Arrowhead because it was during Thanksgiving season and they were having some 
craft thing. And so we drove this big van that we rented down into Lake Arrowhead and we did the craft thing. And then we were driving back and on the way driving back, my wife and Gloria got sick. And if you're on those roads, there is nowhere to pull off. And so we are driving through these winding roads. The two pregnant ladies are heaving into trash bags. The twins are screaming. Their son, Jonathan, is freaking out. And I remember just looking at Henry, who's driving, looking at me in the rearview mirror, and his eyes were just like, what is going on here? This is insanity. We finally get to a place where we can pull off the road. We pull off the road. The the ladies get out, and they're just losing it. And it's right in front of a restaurant that has a window there. And it just... Now, I'm telling this story. I'm retelling this story, and I'm leaving. At, I'm not leaving out the ugly parts because those parts are now the humorous parts. You see, it was crazy when it was happening. It was not fun. It was insane. It was stressful. It was crazy. But now, it's different. See, there's a retelling of this story looking back, and it means something else because something happened, but now I can tell about it in a way that it's different than what it was. God is retelling stories. He's retelling your story. He's retelling my story. He is making things new. He is recreating. This week I did a memorial for a friend and the thing that strikes me most is when you see the family in their grief and there were the granddaughters there and one of the granddaughters was just crying because she lost her grandmother. And when I saw that, all of a sudden it's just like, oh man, this is real. This is hitting me. This isn't just something I'm doing. I'm not just going to speak at an event. I'm at a sacred place where something is happening in their lives that is heavy. But even this story is going to be retold later on when they remember their grandmother and they laugh about how she did things. Even when I was talking with my friend and her sister, they were talking about the things that she would do when they were younger. And it brought laughter to them in this time of grief because now they're able to retell the story because they're able to see it from a different lens. We don't understand, I think, so many times that God's lens is so much bigger than ours. And as the story gets retold, it changes. What does he retell? All things. Revelation 21, verse 5, he who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Retelling all things, renewing all things. Our broken hearts, our pain, all things. Poverty, racism, all things. Abuse, addictions, all things are being retold, reshaped, renewed. Maybe right now you are facing the sea. Maybe right now you're crossing through. Maybe you are on the other side. That's part of our journey. 
that happens over and over again. I, I think it's interesting in the book of Acts that they are filled with the Spirit over and over and over again, that God is breathing life into them over and over and over again. And as God breathed in Adam and gave him the breath of life, Jesus in John 20 breathes on his disciples and says, receive the Holy Spirit. He is giving life. Creation is happening over and over and over again. And we get to participate in it. And we are being invited to cross through the creation of God on dry land to go through what God is recreating, the story he's retelling. We get to participate in it, enjoy it, sit in it, allow it to have its effect on us. And and the only area where we see the the rebuke is when there's the complaining, when there is the inability to see beyond the circumstance. When they don't understand, they see this much of a picture that is this big. And I think that's myself many times. I, I just see what's happening. I get locked in. I, I get this tunnel vision of what's happening in my life. And I I forget the seas that I've gone through in the past, the provisions that have been miraculous in my life, the things that have sustained me, the friends and how people have helped me. I, I forget the faithfulness that has been in my past when I'm stuck in that moment. And so what this story does is again, tells me that God is, creating constantly. And we are participants in the creation of God. And he is retelling our stories in all things. So let's be mindful of that. Let's pray. Lord, I do not want to minimize the struggles that people are going through friends who have lost their mother, their grandmother, the people who are struggling with their health, the relationships and marriages that are, are in turmoil. Lord, those things aren't to be minimized, and I, I don't want people to think that what they're feeling and experiencing isn't real and important. What I pray is that we would understand that the story is not over, that just as you have created by your spirit, by the wind, by your breath, that you are creating still. Producing life in each of us, we have the opportunity to be born again, to be a new creation, to allow old things to pass and new things to come, to be filled again and again, and again. May that breathe hope into us. May that produce life in us. And may we lean into the waters that are before us. 
with a faith in the God who is there recreating all things, renewing all things, retelling all things in our lives and in the lives of those around us. We do ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. May you recognize that God is renewing all things and that includes us. And may you experience the recreating power of God in your life today and have the hope to pass through the waters you go through. Amen. God bless you guys. Now, again, we're going to have time for us to talk about this here this morning. I hope you guys stick around. Um, Thank you guys again for watching online. And we'll see you in Friday. Okay. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.